We're continuing in our series, uh, Stereo, uh, Good News for a Listening World. This is week three. I don't have time to um, kind of bring you up to speed fully of where we're at, but I encourage you, go back to awakeningchurch.com and listen, especially to the, the first two, uh, well, there's only two, actually. We're on week three, thank you very much. But go back and listen to the last two, because this is what I believe a really important conversation for us as a church. Uh, and this series is birthed out of an internal tension I've experienced. And I've shared this, and so I'm just catching up those who haven't been here. So if you've been here, you can sit back and relax for a couple minutes. Uh, but there's this internal tension that I've felt for a while. Uh, and it is when you talk about the news and you look at the world, what's happening, and you see stuff like, you know, this last week, I mean, all kinds of stuff went down this last week, and you saw the eighth uh, of the Planned Parenthood video that came out, and you're seeing stuff with the, the presidential race, and, and, and I've wrestled with this tension uh, of this internal tension of what do you say, or what don't you say? What's helpful to the conversation, and what's actually harmful? When, when do you speak up, and, and when do you stay silent? And, and I've really wrestled with it, just honestly, as a follower of Jesus, uh, just as a Jesus follower and, and engaging in the conversation of today, and, and I feel this in, immense tension in my soul, and maybe you feel it too, uh, of, okay, what must I say? What, what's most important to say? And, and I find such comfort in the reality that, that the early church wrestled with that same tension, the early church, you, you just need to know if you don't already, I mean, you can go back and listen to the first two messages, but the early church, the first 300 years, uh, were, were mistreated, were marginalized, were, were misunderstood. They, they were beaten. In fact, historians, secular historians who track the birth of the church, the way they uh, explain it is this, is they look at the rise of the church and how it thrived in the midst of such opposition as they say this, it's a mystery. And yet they lived in this tension of what do you say in a world that is so hostile, in a world that's so anti, in a world that is misunderstanding everything that you say. And they came to one fundamental thing they must say, what's most important. In fact, Paul, the apostle, would say it this way to the church in Rome. I mean, this is mind-blowing because he moved from an internal tension to this personal conviction of this is what I must say. And Paul says it here in Rome where, where it was the center of Christian persecution, where, where Christians were being led into the Colosseum and eaten by lions for sport and burned on torches for a candlelight for Nero's parties. They, this is the center of where the greatest opposition to the Christian faith was. And Paul would say this, I am not ashamed. You want to know the internal tension that I wrestle with? I come to a personal conviction. I'm not ashamed. There's one thing I must say. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Good news, Evangelion. We've talked about it. This is our third week. Now, this is what's so profound. They came up with one thing that they must say, and they excluded a lot of things they could say to focus on this one thing they must say. And so they were so clear. In week one, we talked about what is the gospel, and, and the way they answered that was two parts. It was content. We talked about it. What is the what, and then what is the how? Because they believed 
that it wasn't just what you said, it's how you say it. And Jesus said, love one another. He said, love one another. By this, the whole world will know you're my disciples. He said, it's it's the gospel, this good news that God came for you. This event happened where Jesus died on a cross, rose again on the third day. Historical event marks the beginning, the birth of Christianity. And in that moment, they couldn't help but share that event. And they were crystal clear on that. But they didn't just share it and talk about the words. They lived it and lived out a life of love. Now, I just, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I got to, this is the right time for it. I just have a confession. Uh, This is, um, as I was praying this morning, this image went to my mind. Last night was out with some friends, and we're out um, uh, to dinner, and we got to the place where we made reservations, and, and 40 minutes later, we sat down, and we were not happy. And, you know, you ever get around your buddies and you get into, like, buddy mode and you keep egging each other a little bit further? Um, So just public confession. Last night, I was not loving. In fact, none of our crew, except for two of the nicest guys in the whole world, and they are, and we're not sure why they still hang out with us, but thank you. We're glad you are there. We're, We're loving, but we were incredibly rude to the hostess. And went up one by one uh, because we're frustrated and hangry. And, and so, and then, then I look, and I look at this. The gospel in stereo is love others the way Jesus loved you. And so convicted. Because it's not just about what you say, it's about how you say it. And, and that hostess. I did not love her the way Jesus loved me. See, it influences and permeates every area of life, not just those moments when you think, hey, I'm going to share this. And I'm sorry, church. I'm sorry I acted that way. But the gospel in stereo is both word and deed. And last week we talked about the words of the song and answered this question, why? And it's so important, why? Why would the early church risk their life, be punished, be persecuted, and killed? For this one thing. I mean, think about what one thing that you would stand up on Facebook and suffer ridicule and opposition and have the whole world against you. And they're saying, well, Facebook's nothing. Why? And Paul finishes the statement, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for, here's the why, here's the why, it is the power of God. Because my life's been forever altered and changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. And this event, this event that happened 2,000 years ago has changed the directory of my life. And actually, it's not even my life anymore. I have a new life. This morning, and for the next two weeks, we're going to be, gospel and stereo, words to the song, we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be talking about everyone has a song to sing. Well, if, if all that's true, and that's the backstory, we're caught up now, then, then how do we begin to actually live this out and share it and not be weird or not be a jerk, right? right? I mean, because that's, that's really what it's all about. And so I want, to, I want to do this in a way where I think this is the best way. I was talking with some friends, um, and I'm affectionately calling this Sunday crew sunday um yeah we have any crew here you going to represent or no okay no that's cool whatever thought you were excited you're just tired from a long week i get it 
But I want to invite my friends Gabe and Jess, who you see up here all the time leading worship, come on up. And hey, hey, and I want them. I, hey. When we're talking about everyone has a song to sing. Uh, I want to take some time and just talk about, really, wh- why is it that we hesitate? What, what, what is it that keeps us from sharing? And, and I don't know anyone else that I respect more in this area of really living out the gospel, word and deed, and, and seeing their life and their passion. And I've known them for a while. In fact, I've got to be up front and get to marry you two a few years ago, and that was exciting. Uh, and I've watched their life, and I've watched how they live, and they're on staff with Crew, which formerly was Campus Crusade for Christ, for those who don't know, and, and they're living this out, I mean, in just such a winsome, wonderful way, and they're seeing God use their lives, and, and when we talk about gospel, when we talk about Jesus, any time I'm around them, my heart is stirred. Like, I want to love Jesus the way they love Jesus. I want to share Jesus the way they share Jesus. So I thought, well, why wouldn't we just have them help share? And, and Crew Sunday, we'll have you guys lead. And actually, I want to introduce a little bit later the Crew interns. And so we consider them, and th- these are our local missionaries. We support them financially as a church significantly, and, and they're on San Jose State's campus, and they're rocking it. And so um, we had a conversation, I think it was Wednesday, down at, is that right? Was that the day? Tuesday? I don't know what day. It was a day. It was, all week was a blur. And as we're talking about everyone has a song to sing, what keeps us from sharing, Jess said this. She said, yeah, as we're talking about what keeps us sharing, we started to list a few things. She's like, yeah, these are the big lies we believe. And, and we want to uncover or expose the big lies we believe that really keep us from sharing the greatest news this planet has ever Heard. And so really, we don't know how this is going to go. Um, and so, so why don't you guys tell a little bit about your story, what you're doing, even give us a kind of a recap of this week, and then we're going to just kind of cover the big lies that we buy into. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, I'll tell us a little bit about our story, and then Gabe can update you guys. Um, well, I think the most important thing about us to know is like we didn't grow up in the church, um, I didn't grow up in a Christian family, and we just walked into college, um, both with like very weak, fragile faith. And um, we went to San Jose State University, and um, like me personally, I had no intentions of getting involved in a Christian group whatsoever. Um, and so, basically, I mean, if I could wrap it up, I like or summarize it, I would just say like God. It was just so clear God pursued us both in college. Um, and taking to our faith to a place that we can never imagine. And that happened through Crew. Um, and Crew is just a nonprofit Christian organization. It's on pretty much every major college campus in America. Um, I personally didn't know what Crew was before I came to college. Um, and I think for both of us, um, God just met us in a place where, I think for college students, this is mostly true, they're just in a place where they're ready to make a decision about the gospel. And that happened to both of us. For Gabe, he was a little older in college when he got involved in crew. Um, But we had some people invest in our lives really seriously, like literally gave their lives for us, to invest in us, to boldly proclaim the gospel to us, to get us studying the Bible, to introduce us to other Christians. And um, that just radically 
for both of us radically changed our lives. And um, we saw God start to multiply our lives when we were involved as students in crew. And I would say through that, um, for both of us, it was just really clear, like, if God moved so powerfully through us in college and using crew staff in our lives, like, how could we not do this for other college students? Um, and we both had a blast in college ministry, and uh, we just saw this movement start at San Jose State. And we can kind of share a little bit more about that in a minute. But we just saw this movement start, and it was just so clear God was calling us to be a part of it. Um, we didn't know what we were doing, and so at the beginning, <laughs> yeah, we had no idea what we were doing. But we had people invest in us who cared about us. And so we just kind of went all in, and we interned for two years with crew at San Jose State University, and then we joined staff um, over a year ago, and we just reported to San Jose State this fall, which felt like months ago, but it was like three weeks ago. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's just kind of like a brief part of our story, like who we are. And we've been around Awakening, um, I don't know, since it started. Forever. Since, yeah, since it burst out on its own, yeah. Cool. What's happening at State yeah. right now? So to catch you up on this past week, which was crazy. Um, so kind of backtrack, just our heart with crew is to really kind of twofold, just for every student to know someone who truly follows Christ and also just to give every student the opportunity to hear the gospel. And so everything we do, whether it's our hang meeting. On, hang on, can you say that again? Because yeah. that's like super intentional. Yeah. Say it again, um, real quick. For every student to what? For every student to know someone who truly follows Christ, and for every student to have the opportunity to hear the gospel. And so, okay, if you're taking notes, now's the time. Let me. I'm just because what I see, oh, I see man. this. I'm like, you kind of like, oh no, somebody share. No, 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 no. Okay, what's happening here can happen where you are, but it takes intentionality. What if in your office space or where you're at, you said. For every person that I'm in contact with or every this. And you just go, wow, that's, that's really clear. Those, those are measurable, achievable goals. Smart goals, as some of you call them. And uh, Go for it. Keep going. Yeah. Sorry. So everything we do is geared towards that, whether our meeting, weekly meetings, um, our Bible studies, our outreaches. Um, so our big outreach in the fall is to reach the freshmen. There's Almost 6,000 freshmen that come to San Jose State every year. The number keeps climbing. And so each year we um, do an outreach where we pass out these freshmen welcome bags. Um, I think there's a picture of that. Yeah. So this year the bag was a, like a tote bag, and inside was a water bottle, a foam finger, and a beach ball. Um, and so we give those to freshmen for free in exchange for a spiritual survey. I think I have a picture of that. Oh, wait. Yeah, there. This spiritual survey. And so um, students get the bags for free if they fill out one of these. And this is just a quick snapshot of where they're at in their lives. Um, if they're interested in talking to somebody if and information where they live if they want to talk to somebody. And we have the opportunity to go meet them. And so um, it's crucial for us because when freshmen step on the campus, when the, within the first week, even days, um, they meet people and they form their friend groups and they're just locked in. And after that, it's just so hard to um, share the gospel because um, it's harder for them to leave what they've already become a part of. And so our heart is just to be there day one, um, minute one when they move into campus to give these back to them and have the opportunity to talk to them. And so 
this past weekend was when the freshmen moved in. And so we hit the ground. Well, we have a picture of us stuffing the bags. Yeah, so we stuffed 3,000 freshman welcome bags um, at Joel Church. Um, it's triple what we've ever done in a year um, because we have the laborers to do it this year, which God totally provided. Um, and so this past Sunday, we went on to campus. It was the second day of move-ins, and we just um, set up a table and um, had freshmen come up and fill out the survey and get a bag. Yeah, there's a picture of that. Um, and we just meet a lot of students. I think in the first day, we passed out 900 bags, um, and we did it all the way up until Wednesday. Um, we got through most of the bags. There were a lot of freshmen, but um, it was crazy and intense. It was hot outside, and it was a lot of work, a lot of conversations. But um, the thing we want to do is just get them plugged in and to experience real community and real authentic friendships um, and the gospel, hopefully. And so this year, we did something new. Um, over the years, we haven't cracked the code on how to really um, get freshmen involved. But this year, we wanted to switch it up and really offer something every night for students to come to. And so each, at the end of each day, we would take all our cards and start texting everyone. So um, the first day we texted 900 students to come to this casual hangout. We went to Yogurtland to get Froyo. And we were expecting like maybe five students would show up. And the first night, 40 freshmen showed up. Um, and we were like, whoa, we're, we didn't know what to do. We were kind of caught like off guard. We mobbed Yogurt yeah. Land. So Yogurt Land was packed. Um, we were like, OK, this is kind of unexpected, but awesome, exciting. Um, and so the second day, we passed out more bags and once again texted a bunch of freshmen. And that day, we went to get boba, which is a drink. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. But um, yeah, we just said, same thing, texted them, meet here. We're going to go get a drink. Um, and the second day, 100 freshmen showed up. Um, and I we think there's a picture, picture. yeah, just. You guys, we're literally like just walking downtown like casually like, hey, let's go get boba, and like 100 people. Yeah. It was insane. Um, yeah, so that was amazing. And then next day we passed out more bags and had another event. We were on campus. We did like, we used the barbecue pits to do s'mores and play some games um, and texted a bunch of freshmen again and 150 showed up that day. Um, we don't have a picture of that, but um, it so, was dark. Yeah. I don't believe it then. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but so yeah, it was just momentum was building and God was doing something that we had no plans for, and we were kind of caught off guard. We were scrambling to just talk to so many students and try to form relationships with them, get to know them, um, ask them hopefully where they're at spiritually, and just have the opportunity to set up something later on. Um, and so this whole week was building towards an event which we had yesterday, a beach day. Um, we passed out flyers for that, um, and in we the past, we almost had to do yeah. anti-marketing um, oh, yeah. for that yeah. because you so, have so many after people. these three events, we were like, "Oh no, we <laughs> if these type of this amount of students show up and we didn't even have flyers for these events, um, what's going to happen to beach day? We won't have enough rides." And so the last couple of days, we didn't text people. Because people were talking about it in the dorms. It was like buzzing around the yeah. dorms. We're like, yeah, So we, we need to do some damage control. Um, uh, so we had to, so we were like building towards beach day, and we realized we probably should rent a bus to take students in, um, rent some vans, just anticipating a lot of students to come. And so we got a bus, filled the bus, about 60 students, um, and then we had rented two vans, borrowed two vans, a lot of people drove, and we had over 200 students 
um, show up to the beach day yesterday. There's a picture. Yeah. yeah. This is after a few groups had left with the big vans. Um, so we had a lot of people there. And it was just incredible to see God just use um, surveys, a bag, and just authentic relationships. Our students were totally selfless with their lives. They went to groups of students who were new. Um, they bounced back and forth just to meet students and really try to make a connection, try to find out how their college has, life has been living in the dorms for a few days or after the first day of class, um, how it's been going. And um, their class started on Thursday and we had seen, up until that point, we saw four students come to Christ up until class started. So one a day, basically, before class school even started. Um, and after that, just so many more appointments have been set up to share the gospel with students who we've connected with. And God is just doing crazy things that we didn't anticipate. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you saw that bus, one of the things, and I'm going to just throw this out here because you guys might be able to help. Um, we want to help crew students, or San Jose State and Santa Clara. We've got some Santa Clara, maybe not. I know for the second. Okay, one. Yeah, we don't want to leave you out. We don't want to leave you out. Um, um, but uh, but we, we're trying to figure out how to bus people here. And so if you, got a, uh, if you know an access to a bus, a shuttle, uh, vans, we've we got plenty of people who want to drive the bus, actually. Um, everybody's like, that would be awesome. But think of what an incredible opportunity and stewardship of what God's doing uh, in and through crew and how we get to partner with them and, and, and continue to see that. Uh, so anyways, throw that out there because that bus reminded me of it. I, I, want you, I don't want you to miss something, and then we've got to move on to uh, your, your notes there, and it, we'll get through what we get through. Uh, but, but what I wanted you to hear, too, and Gabe, and you might have missed it, is they tried a lot of things for a while and it didn't work. I don't know if you caught that on the way as he was sharing. And then they kept at it and kept adjusting. And see, I think sometimes we try once and then we're done. We go, oh, it just doesn't work. And it's going, no, 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 no. What they're seeing, the fruit of right there, is over a course of a few years of learning and growing and praying and God working in them and them learning how to do it better. And sometimes we just give up after one try, and God's going, no, 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 no. Keep going. Keep going. Really good. So let's talk about then for us, for what keeps us from sharing this incredible good news? What are these big lies? And the first one, as we were talking over lunch there, was that uh, we were talking about that there is this kind of cultural assumption that we, we um, believe in or buy in, that our faith is a private thing. Our faith is a private issue, that, that it's just about me and God. And we've kind of done this in the church. We've kind of done this culturally that, like, you know, we don't have conversations about that. And um, just, w- would you mind just giving some some thoughts or feedback on that? Yeah, I think, and I think I totally believe this lie, uh, especially when I was really young in my faith. Um, when I think of the gospel, I was thinking about this this morning, when I think of the gospel and what happened on Calvary, that is like the most unprivate thing that God mm. could ever do for us. Like a public, humiliating death 
And I think when I think about that, I'm like, how, like, how could I keep that to myself? Um, I think of the Samaritan woman that Jesus interacted with at the well, and um, she immediately, you know, he told her, go. She didn't know anything. All she knew was Jesus, and he just said he knew her, and then he said, go, and she went out um, and told people. And I just think there's these examples. Uh, it's so clear in the Bible. Like, it's, and I think you've said this before. It's personal. Of course it's personal. Like, what God do, did for us was the most personal thing he could ever do. But it's definitely not private. Um, if we had the cure for cancer, um, would we just keep it to ourselves? Say, oh, I don't know how you're going to react to this. And I know this, but I think I just I think I just need to keep it to myself. That would be the most unloving thing to do. And Jesus and what he's done on the cross has cure for souls, like the most important thing ever. And so I think as I've like journeyed through this, God's just continually showed me um, because of what he's done, uh, this, because he died for everyone, how could I keep that to myself? Yeah, that's great. I, I'd even write that. Your faith was never intended to be private. It's personal, for sure. You have a personal relationship with God, but it is not a private one. And it would be weird if I had a private relationship with my wife and, and go like, well, you married? Yeah, but you can't meet her. <laughs> and you can't talk to her. You don't see any pictures of her, and I will never talk about her. It's private. That's just awkward, and that's kind of cultish. And uh, <laughs> your faith is personal, not private. That's awesome. But that's one of those lies we buy into. That's one of those things that, that keeps us from sharing this incredible good news. Another one is we're sitting there uh, talking was, uh, that came up in our conversation was, you know, we begin to buy into this belief that, you know, I, I don't actually have to verbalize things. My life is my message, you know. I don't actually have to say something, but how I live and, and I think this one's kind of deceptive because there is some truth in it, right? There's some parts of this true, but it, it's not only that my life is my message. How, how have you guys wrestled with that lie? Yeah, um, I think there is partial truth to that. I think we, it does call us to be lights to the world and to be like Christ. But I think kind of subtly this is, if we, my life is my message, it kind of is like putting blinders on and just really focusing on your life and yourself. Um, not really taking an interest to the people around you. Um, Paul would say, um, I become all things to all people. Um, that's a very selfless kind of mentality to have, not really being so concerned, oh, what am I going to say in this conversation or what am I, how am I going to um, kind of be a good person in a sense, um, really focusing on watching your steps and watching this. But that takes us out of the joy of really hearing people's stories, of really hearing where they're at, um, that people that aren't Christian or aren't really caring about them, they don't get to verbalize the things they're going through in their lives, the um, hurt they've had from past religious experiences or the church. Um, um, it's our opportunity to be a part of talking to them about that and truly loving them. Um, we can't answer Jesus' call that they'll know us by our love if we don't truly step out and be intentional and really be proactive. This is kind of a passive way of engaging with people. And I know if I was 
on when I'm on campus and I don't really engage in a freshman's life or a student's life, they're not going to bring it up. I've never really had an a, a time where because I'm playing basketball a certain way or I am walking on campus a certain way that they ask me a question. I really have to kind of forget about myself and really only look at them and really where they're at. And I think too, like Gabe and I were both very impacted by people who were very vocal about what they believed and like intentionally hung out with us and like took us out to coffee just to talk about the gospel. And that wasn't every time we were with them. But if they didn't do that for us, like I, I just don't know where we would be. That was the most loving thing they could do for us was to be very clear about the gospel and to engage us in it, you know, to ask questions. Where are you at with this? Is this what you want? Um, like, I think we've all experienced um, someone engaging us in that way, whether it was your family or a friend. And um, some of the interns are going to come up in a while and share their story. And I think their stories are pretty powerful yeah. to just, you know, why this is a lie. Yeah. So. yeah, it's both and. And we and so how you live will cause questions. Like, uh, you know, me and a few guys went to Haiti. Well, when they went to Haiti with me, their coworkers are asking them about, why are you going to Haiti? Because you aren't going on a vacation there. And then they got to share about why they're going to Haiti. And another person who was part of our church who was uh, going to our summer study theology courses. And, and he's telling them, like, hey, I'm doing, I got to leave work early, you know, seven, Silicon Valley early. Uh, and, and he's like, I, yeah, I, I have a theology course that I'm taking. And it opened up conversations. And, and so it's, it is both and. We, we've been talking about that. You know, St. Francis of Assisi is attributed to this, and it's kind of our, you know, that preach the gospel at all times, when necessary, use words. Um, and so we kind of believe that, and it's like, well, it is necessary to use words. There is a necessary moment. And that's why last week we were so clear on what the words to the song are. So we have, you know, so two, two big ones, faith, private issue, Life's my message. Uh, this is one that I, I think is an easy one for us to fall back into um, that we're talking about because if I'm sitting where they're sitting and I'm looking at you guys going, yeah, but this is kind of just the way you guys are wired. I'm not really wired that way. That's not me. Uh, you know, that's, I, I, I don't really need to be a part of it. And, and the big lie is it's not my gift. And if you were here during our Blueprint series and what Steve talked about, spiritual gifts, you're like, yeah, you know, I kind of did not check that box, so maybe I'll, am I out because it's not my gift? Um, how would you respond to that? Uh, yeah, I think I'm a good person to respond to this. Uh, I would say evangelism is absolutely 100% not my gift at all. Um, I still am nervous. I still don't know how to transition well into a conversation of a presentation of the gospel. Um, I'm not being an introvert is still hard to do small talk. Um, that's really taxing for me. Um, on this, like, I'm not really built 100% for college ministry. I like college students, I have fun, but it's really a lot of work. I have to step out of my comfort zone every day to be on campus, um, to engage with students, especially um, freshmen who just bounce off the wall and do everything. Um, but I think um, just, keeping in my mind that if somebody doesn't share with them, if somebody doesn't enter into their lives, they're gonna, 
um, graduate from college and um, may never meet someone again who will be intentional the way I'm positioned to do that. Um, and I think that applies in a lot of areas. Um, somebody in your job, they could get laid off tomorrow and they would have never, um, they might not have ever encountered you because um, you were afraid to share because it wasn't your gift or you weren't good at it. Um, I think it takes a lot of sacrifice to step out like this. Um, I, I don't think I'll ever be amazing at it. I think it would obviously hard, but um, I think God's call and just the weight of eternity, um, especially for people, is just too, it's too great to just ignore and too great to just be so concerned about um, my comfort or my um, um, just staying in my little box. I think um, God didn't call us to live a comfortable life or even said that um, following him would be easy. He said the opposite, it would be hard. And I think um, even working outside of your strengths or the things you're gifted in is part of that. Um, he didn't excuse us from that. Yeah, that's awesome. And did you hear that? Because here's what I love. Um, he's like, still hard, still get nervous, and how to transition. And, and I just got to say, one, yeah, I feel that way too. I think sometimes when people go like, how do you explain it so up there? I'm like, that's not how a real conversation goes. That's like nobody's talking back. And I spent, you know, 30 hours prepping for that. And, you know, you, you don't have that there and it's nerve-wracking and scary and your heart being like oh my goodness how do I, I don't know right? that's normal welcome to life that's normal normal christianity step into those heart-pounding moments all right next one fourth one is is a common common one um that i think is pro- probably one of the top reasons why we don't step out and, and it's i don't know enough and, and, I, and I think the reason is the top one is because it's probably true. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, some, there's some things where you're like, I can't answer every question. I can't do this. I can't give you all these sort of things. And so how do, how do you uh, address that, that issue of, you know what, I, I just don't know enough. Yeah, I think this one, it's funny, I was talking to my friend about it earlier, like, it's... <laughs> It's like it's true. Like we're never going to know enough. Um, and even like as Gabe and I sit, sit up here, like we've had a lot of training and like crews invested a lot in us. But, like the reality is like we're never going to be like perfect enough to be so confident and go out to do this that we're never like not going to know what to say or something. Um, again, I think of the Samaritan woman that Jesus interacted with. Um, all she knew is that this man, Jesus, knew her and knew her story and that she was forgiven. That's all she knew. And then he told her to go and tell people, and she did. And people came to know Christ through that. Like, I love that story. That, that's all she knew. Like, all she knew was that she, you know, looking at this, like, she was blind, but now she sees and we can all look to the Samaritan woman. And I definitely identify with her because, like I shared, um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so when I first got involved with crew as a freshman, I was being discipled by this woman. And she was amazing. Um, but the reality is, like, I did not know everything about the Bible. I didn't even know, like, every little piece of what I believed about Christianity. But I knew the gospel. And so I remember she challenged me to go out and 
share with this girl who's living in my dorm. And I went over to this girl's room, and we had already gotten into a spiritual conversation, and so I kind of moved into the gospel. And she started asking questions. She wasn't a believer. Uh, I was super young in my faith. I think I was still a freshman at the time. And I remember she asked me, um, oh, do you believe in hell? And can you tell me about it? And I was like, can we hang out again next week? Because I don't know how to answer that at all. Um, and I think something my leader, like, encouraged me. And she was like, that's okay. Like, you can come to someone, have a conversation. You can tell them, like, you don't know the answer to something. And you'll go ask someone and you'll c- get back to them. And that's a very normal thing that, like, everyone does. Um, and so I think embracing that, but also just coming with humility and um, if you know the gospel, like, you know enough because the gospel is enough. And what Jesus did on the cross was enough. Um, and so I think just embracing that and resting in that. And God will work through you, I think, for the rest. And he'll provide people and he'll provide the rest of the information for someone. Yeah, that's great. And, and in fact, we're going to talk uh, more next week on this. And so don't miss it. We're going to kind of get to the real practical. So if you feel like, man, I, I just don't quite know enough or how to even have a conversation and not be weird or be a jerk. or They're talking about spiritual conversations. How do you even get to that? And, and we're going to talk about that next week. And I, I think it'll be hopefully a really practical, really helpful and freeing week for you that will unleash you to be able to be, really be used by God. Uh, for this last one, I actually want to bring up the interns, uh, the crew interns. I don't know where you're at, but, but hustle. Why don't you jump up or... Up there, welcome them up. You can walk around. Um, Intern fam. And uh, and for I'll explain it in a second. But here's what's really exciting. This is unique to our church. Is so all of these people. uh, This is pretty much the crew staff minus uh, the lead uh, staffers, Paul and Jamie. Um, They are part of our church. Uh, They serve in our church. I mean. Setting up, tearing down kids, um, and all of a sudden, uh, well, welcome, you're brand new. Um, <laughs> and, and this is a sacred stewardship where we have um, college students that aren't just like, hey, I kind of do church. This is family. This is, we get to be their family while they're here. Uh, and one of the big lies that I think we believe in is that people just aren't open. Go, you know what, people just aren't open to the gospel. People aren't open. In fact, they're more hostile. And so to unpack this one uh, as we are, are closing is I wanted you guys to just introduce yourselves really quick. And then I, Roland and Christina are going to just share their story. So you get to hear their story uh, and, and what God um, did to them. Because I, I, I think of any group that's not open, my guess would be freshmen in college. That would be the number one group that's just not open. You show up onto a new campus, and what do you want to do? It's freedom time, right? I mean, you're like, hello, let's go have fun, and yet we're seeing a lot of freshmen get connected to the gospel. So, so why don't you go down, just introduce yourselves, and then uh, Roland and Christina will we'll have you share your story. Hello? Oh, it is on. Hey, uh, I'm Nick. <laughs> and I'm Roland. <laughs> I'm Christina. I'm Annie. I'm Dylan. Yeah, so I'm going to, just to preface real quick, I graduated from San Jose State with a communication studies degree. 
Um, so I begged to be up here to build my resume. Um, but I prefaced that to say, I'm going to have my phone out. That way, I kind of stay on track. Don't go off. I'm not tweeting, I promise. Um, so yeah, I did not grow up in a Christian household like Jess and Gabe, like they said. Um, but I did live in a very comfortable lifestyle. Uh, what, what I did want was to live a life devoted to myself. And I thought I could always get what I wanted or, or what was enough. And man, they, looking back, like those are small things like, being a great athlete, athlete, being academically successful, or being pretty high school popular. Like, these things aren't that great looking back. Um, I didn't realize that I was trying to keep finding fulfillment in things that didn't last or uh, finding my identity in things that were just super cheap. Um, that's how I came to San Jose State. And I, on a whim, filled out one of those surveys. Looking back, it brings back memories. Um, and through that survey, a crew staff member came, met me, became my friend, and invited me to his Bible study. Um, he was probably the first person in my life who was spiritually intentional with me um, and was open and honest about faith, what, what, what Ryan was talking about earlier. Um, because of that relationship, I kept going to this freshman small group uh, that he led, and I always compared to seeing something beautiful for the first time. You hear about the Grand Canyon or something like that and how amazing it is, but once you're actually there and experience it for yourself, that's when your breath was taken away. And I think that's what happened in the small group. I got to experience Jesus for real for the first time, and that took my breath away. Um, so that's when I decided to yield my life to Christ and find true fulfillment and identity in, in Jesus' cross. Um, but that's not where the story ends. It's not just a, 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 a yielding to him and then, and then ending there. Um, as I continued to press into crew community, I, I started to experience Christian community for the first time, and I started to grow with a few other new believers uh, for the next few years, I was discipled or mentored um, by some crew staff members like Gabe, and they really just poured into me and really, really sought me out and wanted to invest in me, like we've been saying so many times now, and, and in my faith and how to walk authentically with the Lord. Um, I even got, to, uh, got involved with my local church here in Awakening and started to serve um, because I saw my mentors before me do the same. And I even got to publicly pronounce my faith and get baptized he- over there um, uh, with, with Awakening, and that was awesome. I don't even have the time to get into all the amazing things that God is, has invited me and allowed me to participate in, uh, but I think about how much I was so intentionally poured into and just in awe of, what God, or of how God used crew um, to change my heart for the things of his heart, and it, wasn't just, it, it took years, years of people meeting me, hanging out with me, um, ups and downs, and it wasn't easy. And as I graduated and knew how much God used crew to invest in me, it was a no-brainer to want to work this first year out of college and start to reach um, more students. Uh, so as we continue to follow up with the new students this year, and I, I just think of how, how eternally life-changing that one bag was for me, I'm excited to go out and meet the next Roland. Mm. Um, so my name is Christina, and I also just graduated from San Jose State. Um, but I actually interned with them part-time last year, now I'm full-time. Um, but my story kind of, I grew up in a Christian household, um, went to church. Um, but my church was real, my faith was really up and down, um, and it was really dependent on my circumstances. Um, so I would go to Hume Lake, and suddenly I was really good for a couple months, and then I'd go back to school, and it wasn't. Um, but I got really good at living a double life, because um, when I... Went to college, fun fact, actually went to Awakening when it was a part of Westgate long ago for like a semester. 
Um, but so I, when I came to college, I moved to San Jose, um, and I didn't really go to church after that one semester, um, and totally fell away from it. But back home, my dad was an elder, and my mom did worship, and so I got really good at living this Christian life when I was home, but then totally not when I was in San Jose. Um, and so the summer between transferring from West Valley to San Jose State, um, I went home and I was a lifeguard. Um, and one of my managers worked with crew at Sac State. And he kept saying, like, oh, I know this girl. She's married. This is, she's in San Jose. I think her name's Jessica. Like, I'll connect you to. And that was all I knew. And, she, and he just kept talking about her all summer. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'll meet her. Stop talking to me. Um, <laughs> so I got to San Jose State. She never, he never actually gave me her number. Um, but I got to San Jose State, and I had every single class with this girl who we kept sitting by each other and became friends. Um, but it was kind of a surface-level friendship at first. Of It was like the first month of school, so we were just like, oh, hey, did you do your homework? And that was kind of the extent at first. <laughs> um, and then, But she was kind of my first friend at San Jose, and this is the person I'm talking Jessica. <laughs> um, and so about a month and a half in, we suddenly, through a long circumstance, story or whatever, um, found out that this was the person that my friend had been talking about all summer. And then I found out that he had been talking to her about me all summer. Um, so that kind of like solidified our friendship and we're instantly like best friends. Um, and through that, she could have easily, um, quick backtrack, that summer is through some things in my life, that's when I really gave my life to the Lord. So I came into San Jose State um, at that point wanting to pursue Christianity, but not really like super pumped about it yet. Um, and so at that point, Jessica could have easily have just stayed friends with me and not necessarily pushed me in any way or invited me to anything. Um, but she just really pursued me that first semester, um, would constantly invite me to come to the meetings. And I was that person that was like, oh, shoot, I forgot and would never go. Um, but she just kept at it and kept asking me. And whenever we were in class, again, we had every class together, she'd always be like, oh, hey, we're doing something tonight. You should come. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to sleep. Sorry. Like, No. <laughs> Um, but finally, I just to kind of humor her, I went, <laughs> um, and I had no idea that that one meeting would totally change the trajectory of my life. Um, so I started to go, and um, I don't know what it was, but something about this community, even though it was really small back then, um, I just decided to keep coming. Um, and so about three or four months in um, is really when things kind of started to change for me. Um, they invited me to consider going on a summer missions project. And that was kind of the first time where I really had to start making decisions, whether I would live for myself or live for the Lord. Um, because that summer I had the choice to get my dream job of working as a lifeguard at Hume Lake, or, which was like my dream job since sixth grade, or I could go on this missions project where I had no idea what I was going to be doing. All I knew was I'd be living in a hotel for eight weeks and with a bunch of strangers. Um, and so that was a big battle. And so that was the point where for the first time I kind of made this decision of I'm going to go and just see what happens. Um, and that one decision has totally changed everything for me. Um, so I went on this trip, and because I went on the trip, I came back, and they asked me to lead a Bible study. Um, had no idea what I was going to be doing. Kind of really fed into that lie of, I don't know enough. Like, you want me to lead a Bible study, and I don't know anything. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but I did it anyways. Um, and so through that, my life just kind of rapidly changed, and um, I started radically just pursuing a relationship with the Lord. Um, and then about a year and a half ago, they originally asked me to consider interning part-time last year, and I immediately said no. <laughs> um, I, again, the other lie of I'm not gifted in ministry, how can you ask me to lead a ministry when I am leading a Bible study that only two girls are coming to? Like, you're lying right now. Um, and so I went to this conference that we have for upperclassmen that focuses on what you do after college, and through that conference, I just really felt God pulling on my heart to do it. 
Um, so I kind of just took a step of faith and applied, not knowing what I was getting into. Um, and now I've obviously worked part-time, and now I'm interning again. Um, and through all this, I've seen this lie, those two big lies of I'm not gifted and I don't know enough. I've seen that play into my life a lot um, of just not feeling like I, can't, like I can't do this. And I still kind of like, Gabe, it's still really hard for me to go into the dorms. And I get flustered all the time when I go in the dorms. And I see someone, I'm like, what if I, and I just go for it because that's what God's called me to do. Um, and a big verse that really helps me with this is the verse in Matthew 28, which I think is in the bulletin, where it says, go and make disciples. Um, I think when I hear that verse, I immediately think of make disciples. And I skip that very first word, which is go. And there's no ifs or buts in this uh, verse. It doesn't say go if you feel like you're being called or go if you've read the whole Bible or go if you make really good snacks in Bible study. It just says go. And so as a believer and as someone who has a relationship with Christ, he calls me to go regardless. Um, so, yeah, so that's now I'm interning. Yay. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> So I want to do something as we close. If you wouldn't mind standing up with me. And uh, I want us to pray over them together. And uh, anyone who does want to come up on stage and lay hands on them, you're welcome. Come on up. Uh, I don't even have to know you. Uh, but, but, uh, but here's what I want to do is uh, this is our community. These are, um, this is our family. And we want to surround them as they step out into what God has. And we want them to help encourage us and spur us on to step out into what God has for us. And so why don't we just kind of link arms. And if you guys wouldn't mind just reaching out your hands toward them if you're comfortable. If you're not comfortable with that, that's okay. Um, and let me, just, let me just pray over them and for them. God, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the movement this last week. Thank you that they didn't give up, they didn't give in, and they didn't get out. That even when it was hard and even when it's scary and when, even when they didn't know, they stepped into it and got to see you provide and show up. Thank you because up here are transformed lives by the gospel. Their lives have been forever shaped because someone else cared enough to share and love them. And as a result, they're caring and loving others. God, would you give them just spiritual protection? Would you use them mightily? Would you give their team a sense of unity? Would you open the doors wide for ministry on that campus? God, we pray for San Jose State to be reached with your gospel. And we'd see thousands of people come to know you as a result. And so, God, we commission them in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen.